Hello? Can anyone around here speak basketball? It's the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. We're going back to back. Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Rivas, and who, sir, are you? Uh, I am the producer, Matt Duncan, on my first Zoom call for Confederacy of Dunks. How are you, Fred? Uh, I am doing, you know, okay. Uh, kind of hanging in there. Yeah. Trying to trying to absorb everything that's going on. How, how are you doing? Uh, doing the exact same thing. I'm trying to absorb. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to learn. And I'm trying to, you know, uh, learn for tomorrow. Keep Keep things going and not just, you know trying to check a box on one day and uh, leave it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, and, uh, you know, first of all, for everyone who listens to this podcast, thank you so much for listening to this podcast in general. We appreciate you. And um, yeah, me and Matt kind of uh, thought we'd talk a little bit about why we, we didn't do a podcast last mm-hmm. week. And, you know, ultimately we, we wanted to kind of give room for, for black voices. And we decided that, uh, Talking ball, um, you know, just just didn't really make sense um, last week, and uh, you know, even though we continued throughout the coronavirus and the, the early pandemic days, this just felt like a an opportunity for us to, as Matt said, listen and learn and kind of take that opportunity to step back. And um, even with this podcast this week, um, we've done our best to kind of you know focus some material on on what's happening, uh, on the protests, on, on, you know, police violence, on, you know, corporate uh, MBA and kind of like how this movement may or may not be co-opted. And um, yeah, as people, I think we're, we're hurting and we're, we're frustrated and we're angry. Um, as allies, we're, we're working on ourselves and we're going to continue to work on ourselves and we're open to criticism. So if you're a listener of this podcast and you feel like you've ever heard any type of anti-black sentiment or anything derogatory, um, we're open to changing and we're open to learning and we're, we're excited to do just that. So um, we're, I think I speak for me and Matt. And when I say that, like we're, we're just not really into this idea of not adapting and growing and, and not looking at our own inherent biases and, and racism as a systemic thing um, and something we participate in and unfortunately uh, uh, enable. So um, yeah, I think um, with that said, uh, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll pass it over to Matt for a sec, but um, we're going to be promoting some, some kind of like some, some black focused stuff uh, instead of our own usual, you know, toque and, 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 uh, and Patreon and that sort of things uh, and that sort of thing today. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Matt. Uh, the first thing that I think would be great if you're looking for a way to support the black community. Um, I like to look at things and, you know, where we're hearing so much in the States and there's so many great causes going on there. Yeah. Um, 
uh, for like black Canadians, I think it's really important to, you know, because it, the, the systemic racism really exists here. And, you know, there's this narrative in Canada that it, you know, like if you hear Doug Ford talk saying that, like, we don't have the same roots and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just so uneducated and wrong to say that, like the history's there. You can go back. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's in our face and we, we need to be, uh, responsible here. And, 100%, uh, you, know, yeah. you know, I, so and that's where, that's where I really want to learn because there's a lot of things that, that have happened that, you know, I didn't really understand. Like I didn't know about Africville in Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And like it, but these are the things that us as Canadians, we need to learn about because, you know, we're, we're not just the uh, cute little people saying sorry and yeah, you know, yeah. think, this, you know, we're, we're a diverse nation and stuff, but we've got a lot of work to do. So that's right. Yeah. The whole angel complex. Thing, yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't help anybody. Um, so one uh, fundraiser that I found that is kind of close to us uh, in a personal way is called uh, Umoja Robotics. And we're going to post links for all this stuff in our post. So you can right, just yeah. click on them. You don't have to search for them and it'll, it'll boot you right to the page. But uh, Umoja Robotics is, it's, uh, I'll just read you a little bit of what they say on their, their GoFundMe. Yeah, sure. So uh, the African Canadian Christian Network is a charitable, not-for-profit organization founded in 2006 to improve life outcomes for black youth and families in the greater Toronto area. We are dedicated to making a difference in the lives of young people by helping them achieve academic success, become leaders and role models, and make positive contributions as citizens of their communities. We do this especially for young people facing systemic barriers to success by partnering with government, corporations, community organizations, and individuals. Um, They offer advocacy and support for black parents, provide leadership training and mentorship for youth, uh, facilitate financial aid and scholarships for high-achieving youth to attend independent schools, host coding classes, and prepare youth for careers in science, technology, engineering, and math aka STEM, uh, through robotics. So uh, this is um, a really great cause. Uh, help fund them so that they can keep offering this stuff for, for kids. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just think cool. like the, their goal is to, you know, they, they want to qualify for the Ontario Provincial Championship and the World Championships. So, you know, with that money, um, we can help fund them and send them on their way. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people are, are getting on board and uh, yeah, I think it's a great cause. Cool. Um, well, I'll jump to one of my favorite podcasts, uh, which is actually the baseline podcast. Uh, it's very, it's, it's quite popular. Um, but you know, uh, if there's anyone who listens to my podcast and for some reason you don't listen to the baseline podcast, um, it's a black basketball podcast. And uh, I think that's really important because the, the landscape for, for, uh, analysis and uh, and commentary for basketball is is unfortunately you know it's too male and it's uh, it's not black enough uh, at all. So um, yeah, the baseline podcast, uh, the baseline NBA podcast is is uh, it's a fantastic podcast and you should check it out a hundred percent. Listen to it every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren Shaw and Cal Lee. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a fantastic podcast, and it should be you know as popular as the Low Post and uh, you know the Watch Pod and everything else. 
Um, so, so that, that's my first little one. Uh, Matt, you got something else, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got something that I donated to, uh, last week, especially with the, when the protests were really, uh, heating up and I felt like the protesters, you know, I really wanted to, uh, if I couldn't support them in person, I wanted to be able to, to support them in another way. So I supported black, black lives matter Toronto, and it's really easy to donate. Um, you can go to blacklivesmatter.ca. They have the links there that you can easily do a PayPal, or you can even, if you just want to do a quick e-transfer, you can do that to um, donate at blacklivesmatter.ca and just make the password all Black Lives Matter. And that's it. I love it. Uh, and uh, I'll end with uh, kind of a, a local podcast and a, a guest we've had on the show, but. Um, you know, the, now's the time. And, uh, I think, um, it's, it's kind of like fun, uh, pointing folks towards, uh, like awesome black things that they should support and, uh, look no further than raps, uh, unpublished. Uh, you know, he's been on the podcast, Dwayne Watson. He's mm-hmm. the reason that, uh, I've been on NBA TV Canada in the first place. Um, and he's an amazing basketball figure in the community and, and his, his basketball analysis is absolutely fantastic. But, but yeah, make sure you check out Raps uh, Unpublished. It's like Keel Augustine, uh, Matt Tierney, and uh, Dwayne Watson. I mean, again, if you're a Raptors fan, you should already be listening to this podcast. But if for some reason you don't know about it, like they get everybody. Leo's on there. He, he gets Sam to talk Mitchell. to everyone that we want to talk to. That's right. Antonio <laughs> Davis. Like it's like legit a stacked pod. It's great so. to have him on so we can hear what, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's kind when he's on the podcast, our podcast. Yeah. So put it that way. Yep. But um, yeah, I feel kind of uh, um, like I'm like I'm ready to get this going, and yeah. uh, and that the work's not over, and um, and yeah, we'll be we'll be kind of come back next week with uh, with hopefully more cool cool uh, black businesses to share with you, and um, yeah, um, Matt, I feel like you know if if you're ready. Um, give me those beautiful words and just say the words, okay. 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 Uh, I'm going to bring on uh, guest number one here. Um, he's done, uh, the podcast a, a healthy amount of times. Uh, he's hilarious. Uh, he's a sketch comedian. He does stand up. He does improv. Uh, he was in the featured players, which I'm in now, even though it's a pandemic, which is kind of weird. Anyways, give it up as loud as you can for Anthony Hall. Yeah. What's up, man? What's up? How you doing, man? It's, uh, it's fun to do this on a, on a zoom call and see you. I know, yeah, yeah. You can you can see my confused faces as, as I try to come up with something uh, hot to say for all of the questions. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. Yeah, I was hoping to see like Alonzo Ball, like oh. either like maybe like torn. Wait, wait, you wait. You love Lonzo Ball or you hate Lonzo Ball? I love Lonzo Ball. Okay, Unap- yeah, yeah, unapologetically and like semi ironically. Uh, I am excited today to be able to share my uh, favorite new T-shirt, which is the Team Lithuania Other oh, Dream yeah. Team. Grateful oh Dead. my god, that's an incredible! <laughs> I thought that was just like honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to be on. I'll be I'll be truthful with you. I thought that was just a like a weed smoking T-shirt, <laughs> you know. And I was like, cheers, cheers. He's getting high. It's the pandemic. We're good. But um, no, that that is a that is a I think Valentina smoking weed shirt. 
No, that's a, that's awesome, man. Like, that's a fierce. It's a skeleton <laughs> slamming a basketball down. So <laughs> <laughs> what we all want. Um, okay, let's uh, let's bring on guest number two. Uh, he's uh, he's done this podcast a, a bunch of times as well. Um, he's hilarious. He does all forms of comedy, um, sketch comedy, stand up, improv. Uh, this guy knows basketball. Um, he tore his Achilles once and is now like in fine form, which is inspiration to my older brother, Miguel. Give it up as loud as you can at home for Yao Atua. I do this every time that these <laughs> Oh! <laughs> See, I'm on the phone call, so I only saw you when you spoke. So that oh. top hat was a big reveal yeah, for, me, for me as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, how you doing, man? I, I'm, I, like most people, I'm doing well. And my day is ups, my day is downs. Uh, I'm just going to say about my theme song, I say this every time, reminds me of summer. And then outside, the weather matches. This is, the stars are aligning. The stars yeah. align. Yeah, th- this version would be you on a beach, but like in a, like a, in a, a nice, you know, safe bubble on the beach, it, right? Like you're, you're patrolling the beach, but like, you know, you're in a dome of safety. Yeah. <laughs> People are not coming around me. They're just like, leave him alone. He's, he looks like he's reading something very, very funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this guy is reading hilarious sand poetry. Please no. <laughs> leave him be. Um, Guys, let's uh, let's kind of jump into the podcast. Uh, you want to start talking some ball or what? Hell yeah, let's do it. Okay, um, Maddie, uh, I don't know what sting you got, but you know, whatever you got, give it to me. Uh, it's both amazing and, and just hilariously awkward watching um, Matt and myself dance. Um, and, but you know what, though? It, it's good to know that we both do. Right, Matt? Yes. Yes. You have to like, dance. Did you know that did I dance? Can? Did I know that you danced right now? No, like, you know, like when we're recording this podcast, were you like, I bet you Freddie's dancing. Oh, I don't doubt it. I mean, I, I've seen you in that competition that I, I lost to you uh, in for the Dancing with Comedians or whatever. I, I know right, you, yeah. I know you've got the, uh, you know, like, uh, makes me think of, you know, like Ernest and uh, Ernest Goes to Jail when he's electrocuted at the end. That's yeah, the that, kinda, that is how I did. That's kind of flow you've <laughs> <laughs> That actually, I, I will take that compliment any day. Um, Ernest escapes from prison. Uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. That guy was an incredible comedian. And I loved as a kid watching him get electrocuted and then blasting his way out of prison with his own electrical powers. Um, that character started in the commercials, kids, just uh, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Kids, if you really want to be a comedian, get into the commercials. Right, can you um, center on the camera a little bit here? There we go. <laughs> so I I keep tr- I'm trying to get in the mic here, but yeah. Would that be like the equivalent of the A and W guy branching into like A and W guy escapes from uh, a holiday? <laughs> oh my uh, God, a and W guy <laughs> escapes from prison. A and W guy oh, escapes man. from a cruise ship. 
Oh my God, the A&W guy is the perfect example. Like he should totally get his own TV show where it's like, <laughs> I don't know what he'd do. I don't know if he's like a full out like comedian like that, but I guess in this scenario, he'd have to be. A&W guy runs a summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Him, oh, yeah, him like, or or Flo from Progressive, like either either one of them. Flo from Progressive, everyone's just waiting for her debut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Flo from Progressive, she's going to just like switch straight to being like in a Marvel movie. They're going to be like, oh my God, Flo from Progressive is like the new Marvel character. Um, but guys, let's, uh, let's kind of, um, let's take this down a notch for a second. We'll, you know, I guess get a little bit serious or, or maybe not. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, Anthony, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you and just, uh, and just kind of like check in with, with, um, you know, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, with the, with the protests, with the, with the movement and the police violence and the, you know, NBA being in, uh, the impending return to Disney world. Um, what, how are you feeling, you know, just in general about like, let's focus kind of on the return of the NBA. But obviously all of these things, um, you know, all these societal factors are going to like, are going to influence the experience. So I don't think we should, you know, not talk about them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where I sit with the return of the NBA. I think as a sports fan, I'm excited that we will maybe get a conclusion to this season. That's already been so crazy. But I think just as a human being, it's going to be tough to find joy in watching the NBA, especially with the current situation of the pandemic being in the world and and this this Black Lives Matter and um, and the protests. Like I think there is so much more going on in the world that's important. Um, versus basketball, you know, like I, as much as I love the sport, I just want people to take the time to really just like check their privilege and, and know where they stand in the world when it comes to being anti-racist and, and also staying healthy and, and not taking this pandemic as a joke. Like it's, it, I, it's hard to find the, the balance of enjoying things when the world is at such a state and and i think i'm struggling with that as well just trying to be an effective ally and also just not taking up space like i think even for me i'm 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 a non-black person of color and through my personal like asian communities i've just seen so many different ripples of opinions whether that be supporting the movement or being sort of influenced by a lot of anti-black and, and horrible historical things that Asian people have, have put into the world when it comes to anti-black racism. And it's like, it, it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to vocalize properly, but I, I'm really taking the time to, to pay attention to all of the resources and all of the voices that are louder than ever to, to learn and be better. And, and like I was telling you yesterday, Freddie, I, I had a 
really long chat with my mom on the phone yesterday and I was really surprised at how empathetic and how understanding she was of the current protests and the climate and it was something that uh, I, I didn't expect. She's very traditional Chinese and um, I think for a lot of uh, traditional Chinese families and, and Chinese Canadian people, you, you know that your households have very strong racist opinions about a lot of people that are not Chinese. And I was just really surprised and, and honestly, like I was happy for her to be able to be able to vocalize her feelings and her understandings about everything um, yeah. in terms of systemic racism and the protests going on right now. And, and that gave me like a glimmer of hope that we can maybe with time, continue to unpack these things. Yeah, really, really well said. And I think, like you know, I'll kind of add on to the like the glimmer of hope. The idea of people wanting to unpack these things, or you know, feeling like potentially there could be a sea change, um, but obviously there's just so much work to be done that you don't want, like you know, hope or you know, like optimism. Um, that's misplaced to get in the way of like necessary progress. Right. And I, I really relate to what you're saying too, as far as, um, you know, finding the balance of something, you know, you might be excited for, but uh, in this current climate, it's really hard to kind of navigate, like, is it necessary? Is it correct? Is it ethically wrong? Um, yeah. So I think like, it's just uh, uh, all of us trying to process something that's bigger than all of us um, and, uh, and kind of constantly changing. So um, yeah. Um, th anyways, and, 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 you know, I think we're all going to evolve in our feelings too. So I'll also just say thanks for sharing because I think we're at a time where it's, it can be a bit scary to share. Like, I mean, there's so much going on for everyone that it's, that uh, it's hard to kind of um, to think about it in, in an honest way. Okay, so Yao, uh, how would you say you're feeling with the you know return of the NBA and kind of everything that's surrounding it? It's it's obviously extremely loaded, but what what state would you say you're in right now when you think about the return of the NBA? Uh, there are some things that are heavy. Uh, it is hard to be like overjoy the sports are coming back. I mean, the sports fan in me is really happy the NBA is coming back. Uh, logically, of all the athletics to come back, uh, if I had to pick one, I'm glad it is basketball. Uh, yeah. Because Adam Silver does give the players a platform and doesn't punish them for speaking out. Uh, and they're just, because they're back and all eyes will be on the NBA, uh, they know it and they can speak their mind and without fear of repercussion or not having a job or something along those lines. So of all the sports to come back, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy it's basketball. Uh, I, I think, uh, with everything that's going on, everyone's like, Oh, I need some sort of distraction. And I don't think basketball is really a distraction. Um, just because of the issues that really affect, those guys closely, especially with uh, uh, even Stephen Jackson just being friends with George Floyd yeah. and uh, 
and be able to speak out. So in a way I'm like the basketball fan in me is like, I'm, I'm of all the sports that come back. I'm glad it's basketball. Um, if all the leagues that come back, I'm glad it's the NBA. Uh, and I know that things like when some people are like, I just want a distraction. The NBA is not the type to step and just shut up and dribble. So uh, in that respect, I, I'm, of all like yeah. so that's my takeaway from it it's just like everything else is pretty heavy like dealing with covid still and uh and the questions i get inundated with every day and have to yeah. answer and the things that i have to stay see online it's it's kind of like uh like those things people know i go through and but if i was talking strictly about basketball i'm like yeah because if this was baseball they'd be it'd be all about like shutting things up and keeping quiet. And if it was hockey, well, we wouldn't hear anything. Yeah. And NFL's already proven that they'd rather mute people. I mean, they're slowly coming around now. Um, but of everything else, I'm like, NBA's always been that league that, like, there's no mask on players. People know players intimately. They do press conferences. Mm-hmm. And with, like, no fans around, people can honest, like, and like support they can honestly say what they yeah. need to say which I think for them and fans of basketball it'll make them feel better I think that's like it's a really really good point um, uh, regarding like um, regarding a, a distraction and I actually love this idea and totally agree with you that you know it's almost like the NBA is a, is a potential setup for folks who think like they might get a shut up and dribble scenario. Um, and I think that the pain is just too raw for that right now. And like, I mean, exactly. Steven Jackson is friends with George Floyd. Like you can't get a closer connection than that. Um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon and Jalen Brown, you, you know, just to name a few, uh, Steph Curry, uh, were at the protests. Um, and I'm sure there's many more. And yeah, I, I totally agree where I think that the NBA, you know, potentially is this league that can kind of like seize this moment, you know, and, and back to Anthony's thing, I, you know, I, I, I feel my, myself wanting and hoping for the balance. Um, and that, you know, it scares me a little bit because I think that, I shouldn't necessarily want balance because one's not equal to the other, right? Like, I, like watching, watching my favorite sport on TV is not equal to, to what's happening right now and has been happening forever. So I think um, that's kind of the, the, this weird balance. But I, I, again, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but I do agree with you that I feel like it represents an opportunity and, and I, I can't imagine, especially at this time, players not being outspoken. Um, so I'm I'm excited for that. Yeah. Uh, but with the you know the heaviness aside, and because of what's going on right now, we'll get back to heaviness. But uh, you guys want to talk some Raptors? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, you're in the jersey, baby. <laughs> you are in the jersey, baby. Kyle Lowry. Here we go. Maddie, if you got that Raptor sting, give it to me. Oh, another another sting. Oh, sorry. If you don't, that's fine. Okay. Can somebody, somebody get, get nurse, nurse a fisherman? fisherman? <laughs> <laughs>
Not and now a you COVID can... sting. <laughs> see, but it does help that I can see you not smiling because I've been assuming when you play that you're smiling like really I, hard. I just like do the Joker like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, guys, let's... Uh, it's allergy season. I just think it's important to get that fisherman's friend sting in. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. For, like, I'm really like, happy you prioritized the fisherman friend sting and the <laughs> coughing sounds. Um, no, it's good. It's good. People like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump to... Uh, I'll, actually, I'll, I'll stick with you, uh, Yao, but um, Word. I'm kind of just going to jump from a, for, to a full Raptors fan perspective here. Okay. Do you, do you think the Raptors can maintain their momentum? We were second in the East, uh, third um, best, uh, you know, third best um, record in the NBA, uh, and we were absolutely on a roll. Never fully healthy. Um, what do you think? Do you think this team has momentum? Do you think they'll they'll keep kind of like they'll be better or worse or what? I think. We have a, a few things kind of working in our favor. Like, our team is mentally used to not playing in, a, like, an ideal scenario. Uh, so they're used to playing with injuries and under weird circumstances and crossing the border and, like, and they just won a championship. So, like, this, this kind of format favors experienced teams over, like, newer teams. And it favors teams that already have, like, a built-in chemistry or, like, a lasting chemistry over, like, newly formed teams. Like, totally. And, and continuity, too. Because, like, those bonds, they matter, like, over this time, I would say. Yeah. It's also, like, we have the best coach in the NBA. And I think coaching more this season than other seasons is going to play a factor. Uh, the type of coach that can adjust on the fly and see what their team is offering and uh, be able to build a solution. So like, like it's one of those things where like I can understand why Portland voted to only have 20 teams show up instead of 22. Cause now the Spurs were a half game back of Portland with Greg Popovich. I, even though the Marcus Aldridge is out, like they have a chance to like, make some noise because they just have that mind. They, they, hey, man, Spurs, like, basically have still not missed the playoffs. So if I'm a betting man, like, do I want to bet against the Spurs not making the playoffs? Like, I feel like if there's any team that could pull off, pull it off with, like, I don't know, it, it, it would be fun. And, and, and I'm with you on, like, the continuity and kind of, like, veteran savvy of this team because, like, we're not old, old. And yeah, we just won a championship and, and all these guys have blossomed into their roles. Like, I feel like we're, we're in quite a good position to, to kind of continue our momentum and, and be better. Like, I, I don't imagine guys like OG and Pascal and Fred weren't putting in work, you know? Yeah. I mean, right now, I think Vegas or Fox bets, one of the two have the Raptors as the fifth best odds to win the title. Uh, that's like money that you'd want to put down. Do you know what I mean? It's just Honestly? like... It might have to happen. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you, Anthony. Do you think we can? Um, yeah. Do you think we had a bunch of momentum heading into the playoffs? Uh, where, you know, with the last like whatever 13 or 14 games. Um, do you think we? Yeah. Do you think we benefit from this situation? I hate to say it, but it's been so long since 
I've watched a Raptors game that I cannot remember how good we were playing. I don't so, know what a basketball looks like. I uh, I could I couldn't tell you if I think we're primed exactly to carry on our momentum into the playoffs, but I do remember some of our players being injured. Um, like Fred, I think was was injured as well. As, yeah, his back was hurting all year. Yeah, Norm got injured a bunch. Obviously, and, Gasol, and Marcus all. Yeah. So in that instance and uh, and looking at that information i think we are primed to get every, get the band back together and and start like you know hitting those like first like whatever eight like seed determining games yeah. with with a lot of energy and um i think there is a good chance that that we'll have success but i don't know what the other teams are going to look like as well. Like if everybody gets all their players back and everybody's been training in this, uh, downtime who like this could, this could be very exciting or we might just be watching like a bunch of really out of shape dudes, like the big three and just like <laughs> the puck and hucking balls around yeah, <laughs> in, totally. in Disney world. So, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, Hey, did you see the, uh, the, like, you know, I'm all, I'm careful with judging players' bodies, but I think this is, you know, somewhat complimentary, but did, did you see the, uh, skinny mark? Yeah. Oh, I did. What do you guys I, like? Oh, you know, you know, we can get into to fat shaming if you guys want to go there. And I think it's, it's not good. And Mark actually has a history of people judging his weight, but I will say it also was like a very glowing, refreshing photo where it looks like Mark's ready to win and then chug some rosé, correct? <laughs> I think, I think uh, that skinny Mark photo was like, oh, please be like, the first thing I thought is like, this is too good to be true. Yeah. It looks Mark, like a guy who wants to dunk. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Let's not, let's not get carried away here. Oh, if, Mark oh God, is, if Mark is ready, if Mark is in prime shape, like, like, I, I, I love, I love our odds. I just. Seriously. Like if, if Mark's in, yeah, like, sorry, I, I don't want to take your point. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just like, to know you're, if you're playing with both Mark and Serge coming off the bench and like, you just kind of had like that one, two punch that like gets big in the fourth quarter. You need it. The one advantage that apparently Milwaukee had over us was size. And that's like kind of being taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the guy who stops Joel Embiid, um, who I'm not really worried about anyway, because those guys had an atrocious road record and essentially playing all road games. Uh, yeah, I just like I like the veteran presence of someone who's ready to play. Yeah, uh, I look good. That confidence, that swagger, you take totally. It yeah, um, Anthony, I'm going to jump to you in a sec just to see if you have any. Any, any skinny mark thoughts, but I just, I, I had a thought where, um, you know, a lot of people were talking last year about like measuring defense and like how, how difficult it is. And people would bring up Mark soul a lot and, and just how much he talks on the court. Uh, and I remember reading that article last year during the playoffs that, um, you know, Mark and Serge are speaking Spanish and Serge and, and Pascal are speaking French. So I'm really excited to see, you know, if we, if, if, you know, we can't hear a lot, 
uh, there's no fan noise, if we're going to hear a bunch of different languages when the Raptors are on defense. And, like, you know, we could have an all-French lineup with, with Boucher, Pascal, and Serge. So it's like that's – if you're an offensive team, like, that's difficult if you have these guys just, like, switching between languages all the time. Um, so, yeah, anyways, yeah, just, just a thought I had. But, uh, Anthony, um, yeah, any, any skinny mark thoughts? Um, yeah, I think I have a couple. Uh, I am obviously a very big fan of Marcus All. I think he was incredibly, incredibly important to our uh, championship run last year. So with him being skinny, the, my questions are like, how is he going to handle some of the more physical bigs in mm. the paint? Because I, I don't know that like speed and dynamic movement has ever been a huge part of Marcus All's game. Like I feel like yeah. he has been a guy who has really primarily relied on uh, positioning and being sort of the right place at the right time and using uh, intelligence to influence his defense or influence the offense uh, that is attacking. So yeah. with kind of this new maybe injection of youth into his body. I'm, I'm, I'm questioning like how it's going to translate to his already existing skill set. Like is Joel Embiid going to just like push him around? Like, I'm like, oh I don't God. know. Like is Giannis going to be able to like, just like push him and just like get him out of the paint. And obviously like there's fouls to be called and such like things to consider, but like is a smaller mark going to be less, good at the getting down and dirty and hmm. getting those shot blocks. Like I, that's a question that I have in my mind, but to uh, imagine if Mark just is like, no, I'm a, I'm, I'm point now. I take <laughs> up the ball. I take up the ball. You guys saw the picture. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm the point guard. That's what's going on. But imagine if him being smaller or uh, more nimble makes like his like three point, uh, process faster like maybe if he can get through his progression faster like that is so, dangerous. So you mean like you don't want like like the the like time to stop when he gets the ball <laughs> at the three point line? It's like Man, I, uh, a, yeah. a full three seconds for him to get the ball, control the ball hoist it up flick his wrists and then the ball comes out. It's like, it's, it's time. You can literally it's see the, the seconds on the clock go like, ch, 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 before he gets <laughs> his shot off. And I don't know, maybe this, like this, this kind of sleek, um, redesigned Marcus all could, could shoot faster. I, I don't know if that's like, that seems like such a trivial thing to think about, but I'm like, if he could get it off faster, like he becomes such a seriously, no, like a he, dangerous I mean, perimeter threat. We're, we're at the point in the NBA and you know, that, that's what's so tough between scrutinizing, you know, players behaviors or body or whatever is like, it is such incremental differences, you know, like Pascal being like, I can shoot at the, at the top of the break. The three is like, absolutely game changing for our franchise yeah. and Mark, Mark being like, Oh, I can, you know, guard Embiid um, and Giannis and Jokic is like, Oh, okay. Well that really helped us win a champion. But think about him coming off of a screen and then like going to the three point line. Like if he can move faster, like he'll be open and yeah. he'll have the option to take that shot. Um, mm-hmm. Which I'm okay with. Um, 
yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go over to you cause you actually brought this up uh, earlier, but, um, and you know, the Raptors kind of being like a unique team and, and being used to playing in different atmospheres. But, uh, I guess, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I just read this today, but we're one of two teams that are being invited to Orlando that is actually not going to practice in our city. Um, so I'm not sure if we're going to Orlando right away to practice and then, um, like, you know, start, start with the rest of the NBA. But do you think that's a disadvantage to us? Or is that actually kind of like, it's kind of good for the Raptors? I think it's... it's... <laughs> I have no like real like game changing thoughts about the whole thing. It is I know, like, yeah. It, it's like most of the guys on our team went home to the US, like went to their US homes. I think just gathering down there, just making sure you're ready is just kind of getting them in the mindset of like this is it. Like I feel like it's a very business move. Like we're not gonna we don't yeah. need to go to this home, let's go down there. We know what the mission is. I, I just try to trust that as opposed to like everyone come back to Toronto, just let's go on the lake shore. Let's go to the practice facility just to go down to Orlando and do the same thing. I think they're just going to climatize and make sure they're ready and make sure it feels as much home to them as like it can be. I like that. That oh, First of all, yeah, like you're a hundred percent right. And like, that's why I threw to you for this because we are such like a take care of business team. Like I, it was a game two or sorry, game three or four, forget which one it was, but we beat, we beat the Warriors in, in Oakland and just walked off the court. Like there was no celebration. Yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah, we expected to beat you and we did. And I think that that team definitely has this flavor. Kyle Lowry definitely has that flavor. Um, but I was going to say, I, I like that for you coming home is like, let's go to the lakeshore. Like, I like how, like, <laughs> you got to hit up the lakeshore. It's a big part of it. Yeah. I run by that facility all the time. And I think to myself, uh, Drake sponsors this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I always think that, too. My, every time I go by it, I'm like, wait. Oh, yeah. This is Drake's building. That's hilarious. So you're like, I wonder what's going on in there. Well, all I can see is that owl. Cheers. Um, Anthony, what, uh, what, what, how are you feeling? Like, are you kind of like, yeah, this is perfect. This is like the, the Raptors are already locked in or are you like, I don't know. I, I think it's smart to not um, have everybody come back to Toronto and then go to Orlando because of uh, the self-isolation and quarantine rules uh, that they would have to respect if they came back to Canada. That's uh, there like the 14 days of isolation uh, before you can like join your team or to go back to work. Um, I think if you're going to the States uh, you will bypass that. And if everybody is healthy, they can get down to business uh, as you guys were saying, like right quick. And with the current Raptors team, I think, once they are ready to be dialed in and to get practicing, like this will end up being an advantage, I think. And practice and being in your city is nice. Like obviously trying to uh, feel some semblance of normalcy is important for, I think, mental health, but you're not going to achieve normalcy in this time because the you can, there's no chance of feeling yeah, normal or practicing as you would have uh, last year uh, in the time that we're currently experiencing with the pandemic. So 
it is a smart move to get everybody down to where the season is going to take place. And I think they're going to be able to excel once everybody gets down there and is healthy and is shooting those shots. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, let's uh, let's talk about that season a little bit, shall we? It's uh, I mean, I don't I don't know. We'll, we'll we can we can talk forever, but I only got a couple questions. Matt, um, I don't know. Do you have any more NBA stings? If you got an NBA sting, would you give it to me? This is Adam Silver. Good stuff. This is just probably just on me, eh? Well, we should try this. We haven't done this in a Zoom yet. When I say Bobby, you say Webster, Bobby. Webster! Webster! Webster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We're all so lonely that Matt got max participation. <laughs> Matt, I, I think I sure always participate. Was... I'm, I'm a big fan of the stings. <laughs> I love the stings. Yeah. Sometimes I just sit back and <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you got to take the sting in, you know? Um, I mean, I feel like tantric sting says that a lot but um, <laughs> you know like you know as far as like as far as Matt's audio wizardry sometimes you just gotta enjoy it um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you Anthony on this one so um, and, and and again I don't think it's like an exact right answer to this but I feel like I want to explore it because it's important um, and and, and Yao spoke to this a little bit as well um, uh you know, actually, I'll start. I'll start with what I'm thinking, so I don't, I don't put you on the spot. The question I'm curious about is, how, how do we think the NBA is going to respond to and handle future um, and current protest? And for me, like, I guess, I guess what I'm, what I want uh, rather um, is. You know, there's a lot of kind of like military nights and uh, police nights and just kind of like casual embracing uh, of a relationship that I think we're all realizing shouldn't have inherent trust. Or I mean, though, some people are just realizing that now. Uh, and I think there's kind of like a lot of casual promotion of, um, of yeah, kind of like police culture. And, and, and violence. And I think, you know, you could, you could spend more of that time promoting black culture, maybe instead of, you know, military or police night, you have a community members night. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I think it's, it's good for us to think about these things and we're fans. So ultimately we're going to help push, you know, the agenda of the NBA and like what we want is, you know, we're, we're like, we're consumers, right? So, um, yeah, the anthems come up in a couple podcasts I've listened to. I'd be really happy if the anthem was not a part of the of the NBA anymore, or or they made it in a way that players, um, you know, didn't have to be out there and stand, or or if they want to be out there and kneel, then that's okay. And there isn't. I, I guess what I really hope for in regards to protests is that Adam Silver and the NBA, they don't try and put it in a box. They don't say we're okay with you protesting, but here's exactly how we want you to do it. And here's, um, you know, like here's, here's the Nike headband you have to wear while you're doing it. Right. Like we saw that last year in the NBA with do rags. Um, you know, it was, it looked awesome. I loved it. And then, you know, the NBA was like, no one can wear this. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it's like, you can wear it if it's Nike. 
And so I think those types of things, like I'd like to see, I'd like to see players wear their own brands or whatever. You know what I mean? I think that sort of thing is important and players could, should be able to express themselves freely. So, sorry, I, I, I really kind of went off with my own question, but I just wanted to take the pressure off of you a little bit um, because I don't know how, how much you've been thinking about protests specifically in the NBA. Yeah, I think I agree with uh, a lot of what you're saying. I, I don't want like the NBA to sort of co-opt the movement and, and say like, look how supportive we are. Look how much more amazing we are than everybody else that we allow these people to protest. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a right. It's like, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> it shouldn't just be because like my boss said I can do it. So let's go. Like, I think it is so important for their players, the players to be able to do so because the league and the sport itself is benefiting off of their bodies. Like we are seeing a league and people and organizations benefit off of black bodies. And we need to be able to let them have voices and like, they are people like let people fight for what they believe in and let them show it on their platform, because this is not just a stage for the sport. It's a stage for all of these incredibly talented individuals and in the in a lot of cases in the previous NBA we've seen uh, protests not go over so well and players allegedly being blackballed and not being able to um, fulfill their um, their talents and ultimately what they think they were capable of and I think right. um, <laughs> like the Mahmoud Abdul Rauf is somebody who like comes to mind and mm-hmm. I recently watched like a, a documentary uh, that features an interview with him and, and how he protested the anthem and the, the media really spun it in a negative way and, and he never really recovered from it. And I, I really hope that this, this new NBA with um, the commissioner and and every and all of these really strong voices, I hope we're able to to see the protests and to not have them be like co-opted by these big brands and yeah, just in the mm-hmm. name of of being like these sort of performative allies. Like I don't want these big corporations to to take credit for any of the opinions and voices and actions that are that our players are gonna show. And, yeah, and I know. I, again, I'm I'm hopeful that that we'll get a chance to to really see our our players stand up and and fight for their rights. Um, yeah, I guess that's where I'm at right now. I'm <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's yeah. It's a, it, and it's a big stage to do so. So yeah. I think I feel I relate to you in that, like you know, having some of that optimism where it's like. This is a big opportunity, and I think the silence will be big as well, right? So, uh, I yeah. mean, if, 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 if it's done in a way where, where players are made to be silent or that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, where, where, where are you at, Yao, like in regards to, um, you know, the way the NBA is, is handling the current climate and then also kind of what you're hoping for um, with, with future protests? Uh, where the NBA is at right now is always kind of a mystery to me because they, they 
they do have like they do have a rule that you have to stand for the anthem, which yeah. I'm not always a big fan of because like the mandate to like policy and patriotism doesn't feel like patriotism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, but uh, so like players can't like that came in after Muhammad Adu Aruf uh, uh, protested the anthem um, and made a bunch of people upset. And he was a great point guard. I followed him since he was Chris Jackson in Missouri. Uh, it was great. Uh, so it still is actually. He played in the the big three on three league. How old is he? Like 51, I think. Okay, okay. Just destroyed me. <clears throat> well, yeah, I didn't know his story well until I read, or I mean, until I read it. I, I knew that he was like unfairly pushed out of the league, but I didn't know the exact ties to the anthem. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so I, I always get a little iffy. Like part of me is like, like me personally would love to see, because I know all the players just kind of want to do like, the united stand by everyone uh, doing the knee. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm like, whatever the players want to do, give them the freedom to do it. Cause it, it shouldn't be like, it, as much as I would like, Oh, this would be perfect. This would send the right message. And then like everyone takes a knee. And then when they talk about the press conference, you go, you know why we kneeled. And then they end all the questions about kneeling at that point, And then they answer questions about the game for the rest. That would be ideal um, in my head personally. But whatever the players decide uh, should be the answer, which shows two things. One, you're listening to what the players and what the players want. Yes, uh, it's not an which answer. is key, I think. I think that's the big thing. It's just a lot of times, uh, especially now, the, a lot of this protest is about how, like if we go back to the NFL, how Kaepernick wasn't listened to. It was, uh, he mm-hmm. said why he was protesting and he – he made it clear and then people co-opted the message and made it for something else. I feel like, uh, and then everyone had like a mandate of how things should be handled. I, I would love just friend Silver, Adam Silver to be like, like the play. We asked the players what they wanted to do. They've made a decision. We stand by it. And then whatever the players did, um, the NBA just kind of like said, that's what the players decided. And the players answered the question really Kurt and swiftly, like, you know why this is for, this is our protest. This is uh, to talk about like pre- police brutality and voices being heard. And that's all they really have to say about it. Cause the, I want all the newspapers to just like literally be like the NBA protested this way. It was about this, like two clear sentences. Uh, that's a great point too. Cause narratively, what what yeah like the co-opting is you know it's it's happened right historically every movement at some point kind of gets co-opted and like watered down to you know not create the effective you know effective change that 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 people were hoping for and it's definitely not the fault of the protesters so yeah i, I sorry adam not not to cut you off but just kind of like agreeing no, no, that was with, with your point it was a good time it was like that was a, that was a point i want I want, I want to know the players made a decision and the decision was supported. And then that's what we got. We get a very clear and simple explanation because we know the NBA players can do that. LeBron James has been very clear about like what he stands for, what he's doing. I feel like NBA players are very articulate that way because they're in front of the media the most. It ends the discussion. There's no real debate. Like you can't debate what people have said. And then that debate keeps getting squashed. 
It was like, you heard what they said, we move on. Uh, and then the players do what they feel like is appropriate, and we understand that they have the freedom to do so. So that's what I'd like to say. Yeah, like the NBA kind of like supporting the players' message in words and not letting that message be diluted. And the NBA has the power to do that because they're like such a, you know, it's such a massive corporation that it's like they can make sure the word gets out the way they want it to and they can make sure that players like genuinely feel supported. You know, in the end, there's not that many, right? It's like, I don't know how many are getting invited to Orlando, but the NBA is 450 players. So the NBA, it's a billion dollar organization. They should be able to support their, their players' opinions. And even if some of those, some of those opinions may differ as well. Right. So yeah. I think that's also okay. Um, I think the other thing um, they really had, like, from a PR perspective, they have everyone's ear right now. There's no NFL. There's no Major League Baseball. Like they're talking about MLS going down there, but that still won't be for a bit. Mm-hmm. There's no hockey, but they don't watch hockey anyway. I always take shots at hockey. Um, yeah, hey, you're taking a couple of hockey shots today. I'm, I, you know what? I'm into it. Matt is probably hurting inside, but it's okay. <laughs> Fire away. But like they have, they have the attention of the world. Like they have, like. They do. It's so like, like NASCAR came out with something today, and then a bunch of people were like, "Oh, and NASCAR will be in the news for like maybe a week." Yeah. Uh, so they have the attention of the world. Um, they have like a freedom, like financially, they're playing with house money right now uh, on that back end, and they know people are going to be watching regardless. So why not kind of shape the message you want, be the ideal instead of like try to cater to you know, business partners that are like, well, we'll just invest in something else. So, Yeah, that's a great point too. Cause it's like, you know, yeah, you don't want, you don't want so much blood and sweat and pain and death, really calling it what it is, um, to be kind of like put into a place where it's like, oh, okay, our solution to this is like, we're going to have the like, the Sprite Center and that's like, you know what I mean? Like, you, like what I, yeah, you don't want this, this movement to be co-opted or compartmentalized in, in yeah. any regard, I don't think. Um, okay, let's move on to, uh, to this, this whole conversation. I'm going to stick with you, Yao, about the asterisks. The Asterix Championship. So, like, I'm sure you guys have heard this a bunch already. You know, I've heard... I've heard a bunch of funny things and, and people are reflecting on, uh, you know, uh, LeBron's first championship, which was, uh, in, in a lockout season, uh, the Spurs first, or sorry, no, sorry, not LeBron's, uh, sorry, that, that, yeah, to Tim Duncan, my, uh, I messed that up. I think, wait, was LeBron's first finals run? Uh, no. you know what? I, I've just, I've messed up. I've butchered my whole question to begin with, but, um, we got yeah. you, baby. <laughs> yeah, you got me, you got me. What I'm trying to say is, is it only an asterisk if your team doesn't win? Like, if, they, if the Raptors win, no one would ever convince me that this was an asterisk season. Like, no one would say that, that our championship doesn't mean. Black. Here is the thing. Like, this I'd be like, we have two rings. What do you want? This is how I feel about asterisks. In professional sports, it's baseball that gave the asterisks a negative connotation. They just want to be like, asterisks, the steroid era, blah, 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 is negative. Where an asterisk just kind of denotes that the season had differing circumstances. The Spurs won in, in a lockout-shortened season. Mm-hmm. No one. I, I don't know anybody, even like, especially like over the past couple of weeks when 
people were talking about like the greatest of all time and putting their list together and talking about Tim Duncan having five rings. They don't go Tim Duncan has five five rings, but one has an asterisk, or Tim Duncan really has four and a half rings. No, Tim yeah, Duncan exactly. Five, it an asterisk just denotes that the season circumstances are different. Uh, so like, is there an asterisk on the season? Yeah, sure, but is that ring worth less? No. If anything, exactly it's harder. Is a harder ring to win. Yeah, you had totally. to be, You couldn't cruise to get into the playoffs. You had to be playing hard all year, which goes to show. In the future, people would be like, "You don't. You can't rest or like rev up for later in the season. You have to be playing to win because you never know when the season is going to stop. You can't hope to sneak into the playoffs after All Star break. You have to be like always on your game. Let's reward people that have been playing hard all year. But if if the Raptors win, does it mean less? No. If LeBron wins, I don't think so. But if LeBron wins, does it mean less to his legacy? No. If anything, I feel like any team that goes out, like, wins under these dire circumstances, it was a harder championship to win. Like, the only team that could probably claim it was an easier championship to win and we'd have to do all sorts of conspiracy theories is if Orlando, who's already in the eighth seed right now, somehow wins because every game is Orlando. Then we can be like, okay, let's look into all the cheating here. We all know they can't ball. And if Orlando did win, I think we could all have a good laugh. Like, we could definitely be like, this is crazy. Um, This is insane that Orlando won. Like, can you imagine if it's like – the finals MVP is DJ Augustine. <laughs> like, Mickey oh my Mouse. God. Final- yeah, yeah, it- Mickey Mouse it- bought the championship. Yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> we, what do you think about the asterisk conversation, Anthony? Um, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think like what Yao said, like it makes perfect sense to me where it's yeah. like an asterisk is just saying that th- Something was different about this season. Like, you're playing in the championship or you're playing in the playoffs, and, like, what sport are you playing? Basketball. Everybody is playing basketball. The rules are the same. It is basketball. So, like, what – like, how could you possibly be like, oh, it's not fair. If anything, like, it's more fair because everybody is now rested up and got a chance to heal up from their injuries. And you're getting players back. And some teams, the ones that have been invited, like – they probably weren't going to be in the playoffs anyway. And now they have a chance to be in a play in to, for like the last seed in their given conferences. Sure. So it's like, if anything, this is just a special version of the NBA championships we're seeing this year. Uh, and that's not in a negative way. It's like, it's just under incredibly dire circumstances that we're playing out this championship. And it's going to be, it's going to be a fight. Like for real, I think. The, the like last couple of rounds of the playoffs and the conference championships are it's gonna whew, it's gonna be very high high octane. Yeah, oh. yeah, I, I I I totally think so. Um, and I also feel like it's gonna be people are gonna get into it. And I think before something starts, it's always like fun to critique, you know, the setup of it, but you know, or, or, or what the stakes may or may not be. But I do think that once it gets rolling, people will be invested regardless. Um, but yeah, before, before we get quickish questions and uh, because I, you know, I, I, I want to continue to not like shy away from, from any type of difficult conversation, but I don't really think this is even that hard. My last question is, um, is 
what ideas uh, anyone has to kind of like uh, for the NBA to make more of an effort to um, just portray black lives in, in, in a positive manner. So something that can be something that can be done to just increase uh, black positivity. And uh, I'll start again. So I don't like put, put pressure on you guys. Um, no, but what, one thing, uh, yeah, well, one thing I've thought a lot about is, and I remember hearing this a couple of years ago uh, when, when Dwayne Casey was first on the low post is um, the, the conversation around coaches uh, and how white coaches kind of get this like assumption of being like um, these clipboard specialists, these thinker guys and, and black coaches seem to get this label of, of a player's coach and like relatable. Um, and I think it's just a way of dismissing black intelligence. Uh, and I think it's casual and it's, it's really kind of like subversive and, and pretty damaging in the end. Um, and I think those types of casual inferences uh, are things I, I notice as a fan and, and they bother me. So um, I think that's something I'd, I'd like to like to see a lot more of. Um, I guess that's not exactly like positive, but just, I think, you know, you could talk about Doc Rivers at a timeout play more. You could, you know, focus on kind of like more than just like, um, you know, Nate McMillan's like scouting or, or the, the, that sort of thing. I feel like, there, there's a way that, that a lot of coaches and, and kind of like, and black basketball minds get, get pigeonholed. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll, I don't know, whoever wants to go next, uh, Anthony or Yao. Oh, I, I will say a couple of things about coaches because uh, this always bugs me, uh, especially about coaching, especially when like someone like Luke Walton, who doesn't have a winning season is somehow plucked from the Lakers to coach the Kings and yeah. has done a considerably worse job with a team that was on the rise as opposed to someone like Mark Jackson who hasn't coached again. And, like, there's other things and factors involved, but, like, someone who sure. has a winning record, it's harder for him to get interviews than a guy who, who objectively has not produced the same results. Uh, so, like – Yeah, what can you say? Like, that's, that's the facts. Uh, so there's like, there's a couple of things. There's one, I, I, the perception thing is a, a big thing for me. Uh, it just talking about like a scheming in X's of those. I, I'll, I'll say like Nick, Nick nurse is the best coach in the league because he is the best coach in the league. But like, yeah. I don't, I think like someone like Alvin Gentry does a fantastic job because like, look at exactly like, how the Pelicans play and how he's like, influenced the NBA as well. He's a, he's a part of the whole seven seconds or less move, but you know, like going to everything. Yeah. He literally like took a team that lost a top, uh, arguably a top five or top 10 player. However you rank them, whatever's in your heart, whatever. He's not in my top five um, ah. uh, player in the league. And like got a bunch of like rookies, like second year, or third year players who don't know how to win and has them on the cusp of the playoffs. Like, like that's X's and O's and they had to play, like getting the best out of Brandon Ingram when like Luke Walton couldn't like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's stuff like that. And that's the one thing uh, I'll agree with you. And the other thing is like the pipeline there, there are, when we talk about like new coaches and people who deserve a shot. And I know Becky Hammond's name gets thrown out there mm -hmm. uh, because she deserves a shot. But like after that, like what assistant coaches do we know? Like who's coming up, who's on the pipeline. 
who who's the next up. Uh, and I think that's not just the NBA. That's uh, other sports leagues. It's the college ranks. It's like where are these assistants being groomed? And like I can I can go on this topic for like days, but like where are like the black coaches and GNs and execs that are in line to even have a shot at those positions. So that's uh, right. You know, like to see not just part of the conversation and the chances being a little bit more even uh, and like the pipeline being built. So people can't be like, well, people are just getting these interviews. They're, they're, they're not ready, but like, there are plenty of great video guys who like get forced out and have to do ESPN jobs because they can't, they're not getting the same shots at assistant. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're not ready is, is, is also code. We're we're starting to identify, right? Kind of like you, you hear that a lot. Like, you know, you know, I mean, we hear it in comedy, like as comedians, I hear it all the time. So-and-so is not ready. Blank's not ready. Inferring that, I don't know what exactly, right? But it's kind of like part of this like racial structure and this like systematic kind of like barriers that hold people back. Um, but Anthony, yeah, we, we kind of went down the, down the coaching path, but is there any kind of instances you think of where it's like, you know, this should be like, I would like to see this for more black positivity. Uh, I think I would like to like challenge the organizations as a whole. And, 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 and what I want to see like, different people in in roles in the like the pipeline uh discussion you guys were having mm-hmm. um especially with the upper management side of teams like where are these executives coming from and is there programs or um sort of like training opportunities in place for people who maybe not necessarily have that like clear like blue blood connection to a team or to the sport uh, to be able to rise to the ranks and and get these coveted positions of influence uh within teams and within the league yeah i really would like to see organizations and the league have initiatives to get more um black people more uh people of color and just honestly people who love the sport to be able to learn and grow within an organization so that they are prepared, I guess, for this, mm-hmm. for when that opportunity comes knocking and, and then some, somebody can't just be like, Oh, they're not ready. It's like the, so that argument is null and void. Like that we have something in place for people to learn and for people to be ready. Like, I think yeah. that is so important. Yeah, and I think like 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 you you touch on management, which is in, in upper management, which is really really a, a fantastic point and a great example because, you know, I think I mean I'll speak for myself, but I had the like it was just a, a bit of an icky feeling um, when uh, was it the conference finals? No, I think it was that actual and it might have been the conference finals, but it might have also been the M- no. Sorry, I'm you know I'm confused. No, I'm thinking of the ring ceremony. And what I'm thinking is that um, I don't know all their names, but you know that the head of Bell, the head of Rogers, uh, they all got their rings first, and and the players kind of had to go through them. And I just didn't really like the optics. Like, I guess part of me is like, I get that you are the money behind this, but like, like I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not tuning in to watch you get a ring before Kyle, like. Mm-hmm. 
so that those types of like small optic things where it's like, I'm sure they did a lot of hard work and they deserve this championship as well. But it's like, they're not the product. And I, and as a fan, I don't care that they're the owner. That to me, isn't like some type of ultimate, like, Oh, well you are the owner. So I like you more than Kyle Lowry. It's like, no, I don't like you more than Kyle Lowry. I'm not a seasoned seat holder because um, I'm a fan of the, of the person who owns bell. <clears throat> or Rogers or is ahead of like the sports or MLSE. And like, you know, I, I haven't been too critical of Larry Tenenbaum um, just because you can see the way, the way the players hugged him was a little bit different than the way they uh, shook the bell, bell guy's hand and hugged the Rogers guy. But yeah, so I think um, I'm not sure whose, whose point I was. John- oh yeah. Just uh, Anthony's upper management and, and it, it visibility matters in that regard too. And like, I mean, I'll, I'll say as a Raptor fan, it's really cool to have Masai. Uh, yeah. It's something I'm yeah. proud of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's something players love. Um, Look how yeah. undeniable he had to be. Like, it wasn't like an easy climb for him. Uh, he had to be exactly. like, he went from like a player scout, an international player scout, to like an assistant, to a GM, to build a Nuggets team and like basically swindle the Knicks, which like in hindsight, isn't that difficult to do? And then he ha. went to Toronto. But still, he swindled them good. He, he did it. <laughs> he did it at a time where most people were like, can you get it? I can't believe you got away with this. And now people are like, oh, you can get away with this. But there's something to be said about being the first. Uh, yeah. And then building, and then getting a vice president role where people are, like, are now like seeking him out and then having Bobby Webster working at Nathan. So, uh, yeah. He's an exception to a, a a rule that I really need shattered and rewritten. Yeah, yeah, he's held to such a high standard that he had to be the best and by far the best to be able to be even considered for all of these other positions now. And I want to see that, uh, yeah, change as well. And I and I would really like to mm-hmm. see so many more people of color and. Um, uh, new voices within very many different departments, like even like managing like social media, um, like in venue entertainment. Like I, I'm so sick oh. of, of seeing just like college grabs or like Ivy league people just like plucked into these um, like roles and just like shoved in there because they went to school for marketing and that's it. Like I want to see people who are passionate and have the skills and, and really just care. and and like a lot of times, like this probably is me trailing off on a bigger, more philosophical argument about uh, <laughs> these jobs and, and writers and stuff like that. But I think like to have the framework in place to give people who don't necessarily have that opportunity right off the bat to be able yeah. to seize it is incredibly important. Yeah, totally. Um, well, guys, we're uh, we, we've made it to the the, the uh, you know the silly lighthearted part of the podcast. Quickish oh. questions. Do you want to do oh. some? You want to do some quickish questions, Matt? I, I don't know. We've never done a Zoom quickish question, so maybe I don't know. Is it gonna work? <laughs> I <laughs> hope so. Whole thing. <laughs> okay, oh. baby. All I right. can hear it. Okay. Uh, you both know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Let's do, let's do uh, Yao, Anthony, Matt. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. Game. My game face yeah. is on. Yeah, this is coming for you. 
which one player is most likely to opt out of the playoffs because they are worried about getting coronavirus? One player opting out. Oh, geez. Who would do it? This one's tough because I can't think of any player that matters that would. Um, can't phone a friend, yeah. One player that would opt out due to coronavirus. Um, Kyrie. I know okay. he's like out, but like he would, he would, he would he sit. Would. Out. He would. He'd right be like the earth is the earth is flat. I don't trust this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, Anthony. Who will the replacement players be? Okay. Uh, it's going to be uh, Keanu Reeves, Orlando Jones, uh, <laughs> John Favreau. I just want to see how many people you can name from that movie. Uh, I think that might be – oh, uh, Rees Ifans, who plays the kicker. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I think that's it. <laughs> uh, okay, best line that I quote all the time is from that movie, and it's shouted at Keanu when he's in the parking lot. It goes like this: "You're not even a has been. You're a never was." And Ooh. it really hurts his feelings. Yeah. Burn. Um, okay, Matt. Quick burn, y'all. Yes. A hypothetical question: If you had the option of signing Kawhi again mm-hmm. or Giannis to a two-year deal in 2021. To the Raptors, Ooh. who do you pick? Assuming oh, both would stay wow. for two years. So Giannis or Kawhi? Um, I think I got to look to the future and say Giannis. I want to go Giannis. Whoa. Yao, when the NBA season resumes, blank percentage of the players will not be standing for national anthems. Every, well, as of right now, the safest answer is all of them are going to be standing because that's what's in the rules. Um, they'll just be wearing the I can't breathe shirts or something of that nature. So all of them are going to be standing until I hear otherwise. If, if they lack the rule, then I can like give you a more honest answer. But okay, I like the rule it. says, and I want to be right. Quickest question. Yeah. I know. I, I, I like how like I like how you're playing this like the price is right pretty hard. You're like, listen, I got about one dollar. Yeah. Um. Okay. This is uh, this is the last question, uh, Anthony. Um. Uh, what do you think the NBA will do about crowd noise? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I think they're going to uh, not do anything about the crowd noise initially, but then it's going to be so weird. And then they're going to try to do what the Bundesliga is doing. And they're going to pipe in crowd noise and have a person like uh, adjust those levels because I think it'll drive people crazy. <laughs> right. I, I really think Matt should be the person who adjusts the levels. <laughs> yeah. I really hope that Matt is allowed to make all the sound effects in house. All um, the stings. I would. It would love greatly improve the NBA. <laughs> like Matt's like if it's like a like a buzzer beater, I feel like it'd be like a forty-five second sting, and people go, like, "Did we win the game?" <laughs> Listen, above all else. Those games need to be on a five-minute delay because no one's watching the language. That's I think that's a big thing. Everyone, the games have to be on a five-minute delay so you can bleep out the curse words. Because yeah, oh yeah, you're they're gonna, gonna be loud yeah. too. Think of that. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna hear all the players. Oh yeah, that's gonna be great. Yeah, and and like, <laughs> I guess we'll hear some weird stuff like Boardman gets paid. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I wonder who's gonna. You know, here here's one last quickish question, um, Matt. Uh, pick a raptor 
and tell me, tell me one thing that they say on the court that we're all going to learn. Um, like they say it all the time. Like they say it all the time that we're going to hear. There was a rumor that Danny Green, or not a rumor, my brother Miguel was sat courtside, and Danny Green, when he's opening, he goes, Caw-caw! Uh I think it's going to be Marcus Sol, and he's going to say, So thirsty. <laughs> oh, that's good. But like when he's looking at the ball, like he's yeah. thirsty to win. Oh, that's good. Um, that's very good, and that's very sexy. Thank you, Matt. Um, <laughs> guys, uh, this was a really, really great uh, podcast. Thank you so much for both joining. Um, we let it all kind of hang out. And uh, yeah, I love you both. And um, yeah, obviously it's a weird time to promote, but people still have stuff going on. Yao, um, what's up, man? What are, you, what are you doing anything? Do you, you know, what's your Ooh. social media? Uh, just what's follow me at Yao Experience on social media. I just have been posting lately. It's been getting engagement. Um, yeah, man. I'm a little outspoken. Oh. I wouldn't classify myself as outspoken before. Then, uh, then I had nothing else to do but Twitter. Well, <laughs> hell yeah. I, I like an outspoken, outspoken yeah. Um, Anthony, uh, you know, same. You know, it's a weird time, but uh, if you got anything going on, that's okay. Um, I don't think I'm going to uh, promote myself at all. This um, this podcast, I think it is very important right now um, to pay attention to uh, all of the posts and the information on how to be an effective ally coming from uh, all of the members uh, of the black community, whether that be uh, African-American or the black Canadian community. Uh, we need to hear and empathize and and start working on, on being better uh, individuals and to be anti-racist. Oh yeah. I love it. Well said. Um, well, uh, yeah, that, that, that's it for the pod. Thank you so much for everyone who's listening. Um, you know, uh, stay compassionate, take care of yourself. Um, listen to, uh, everyone in your life. And, um, like Anthony said, you know, it's, uh, it's okay to take things in and, uh, and be a better ally. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.